This episode of Lady Startup is brought to you by Telstra. Hello and welcome to Lady Startup, our very special summer bonus series where we're listening to chats that Mia Friedman has had on her No Filter podcast. If you have not listened to that show, check it out. Where have you been? I am Rachel Corbett. I am the host of the Lady Startup podcast. Season two will be back in your ears in March. I am currently sitting down with lovely female entrepreneurs and getting interviews together for that season. So hang out for that and make sure you are subscribed. Today, however, you're going to hear Mia Friedman's chat with George McEncrow. She is the founder of the female ride-sharing app, Sheba. In 2016, George was working several jobs and saving for a house deposit after she'd divorced from her husband. So thinking that she might get a little extra cash, she decided to register to be an Uber driver. But... She kept on pulling out at the last minute because she was worried, understandably, about the risks of driving at night. So instead of just whinging about it or forgetting about it or thinking, oh, this is frustrating, she decided to make her own all-female ride-sharing app called Sheba. This has all-female drivers, all-female passengers, and it's also designed to be a service that people feel comfortable transporting their kids alone in. It's a pretty incredible undertaking. And it's sort of hard to wrap your head around how you even build your own app or take on a behemoth like Uber. But here's Mia Friedman talking to the woman who did all of those things, George McEncrow. Hello there. How are you? I'm good, doll. How are you? I'm so excited to be talking to you and meeting you. Finally. Oh, I'm so excited. I know. We've had a lot of exchanges via the yeah. email and the and the Twitter and the whatnot. We haven't. We've got so many friends in common. I know, it's ridiculous. Um, but, but we haven't met. First yeah, and so. foremost, congratulations. I am in Thank awe you. of what you have achieved. And I remember speaking to you in the early days. Yeah. And being so impressed with your naive optimism, which I think is the way we all start our businesses. We, if you don't have naive optimism, I just don't think you ever start. <laughs> you don't do anything. No. You, you just, you know, cynicism is so cheap and I'm so bored with it. It's so easy to sit back and throw rocks, like get in the arena. Do you remember the first inkling you had that this was a business? Yes. I knew from the minute I had the idea that this was going to be a business. I just had, it might sound quite arrogant, but I knew when I first thought of it and I madly composed, like, um, it was a bit of a manic state, I think. Um, you know, I like to think of myself as some Armadeus creature, but I just worked frenetically on it at home for three days and nights. I just couldn't sleep. I was just sketching it all out. I wrote my mission statement, which hasn't changed. I wrote... What's your uh, mission statement? Uh, that women would have a safe and affordable way of uh, embarking on the world. And that's how I wanted it to be, as, as drivers and passengers. That's what I wrote, driving down Punt Road and... What That's, sparked the idea in the first place for you? It was me having twice registered to drive for Uber and twice felt too scared to do it and my daughter hitting her party pants and heading out at night time and thinking, you know, getting those calls saying, I can't find my friends or so-and-so's hooked up and, you know, I can't get, get hold of her, can you come pick me up? And thinking this – and then her rejecting taxis and, and – ride chairs altogether and just deciding that she'd be she'd rather be feet on the street she and her friends adopted this phrase that they felt safer being feet on the street than in a small car with a bloke they didn't know and 
I thought of all the women I knew who would love to be having some of their emotional labour, I suppose, monetized, and and saying when I started looking into it and thinking, well, you know, women are 4% of the cab drivers. They're less than 10% of Uber drivers. It's a $6 billion industry and women aren't getting a crack of that. Women are 60% of the consumers in this space. We all are stretched for time. And it's not just at that end, it's people like me when I was in full-time work thinking if a call went out from the school, it came to me as mum. You know, our so-and-so's, you know, tripped on a gum nut and has been, you know, we think he's a bit wobbly. Can you come pick him up? There's a dental appointment. There's this. So my day would be interrupted. So what we've found that's been the biggest sort of social impact for us as a company is the women writing to us saying, I can now take up that full-time job because your service exists. I've saved 90 hours a week on the road because your service exists. Um, my daughter can take up her rowing scholarship because we can get her safely to the river um, without exhausting us as an entire family to do that. So, mm. you know, one woman gets to earn some coin while perhaps she's studying, another kid gets to pursue her career as an athlete um, and another family gets to sleep and stay sane without building resentment amongst the other children because <laughs> mum and dad are up at four o'clock looking after the golden child to get to the pool or the or the rowing sheds or whatever it might be. Well, first of all, how many, what roughly percentage of Uber drivers are women and what is it about that that made you feel unsafe and those two times decide that you just couldn't be an Uber driver? Well, roughly it's about 10%. It's very hard to get data from a private company that they don't have to disclose what their numbers are but what what we can gauge roughly is it's between 10 percent um in the united states they say it's more like 15 percent something like that um the latest data that i have been able to get um shows that even where it is 15 percent women still earn about 40 percent less in other rideshare platforms where they pick up men and the reason that is is that they tend not to drive at night and the reason mm. that is is because you're more likely... I mean, we, we use these services when we're drinking, usually. Mm. Otherwise, we drive our own car. So if you're going to pick up somebody who's inebriated and he's a big, strong fella and he's maybe got a couple of mates and you're in a confined space and you're travelling at 100 kilometres an hour, you know, a guy might start touching himself or getting his gear off or groping a driver mm. or just making really offensive comments. Often, actually, it's the comments that disturb a driver and... and stay with her longer than the physical assault. And that then the public response, and you'd know this, Mayor, like I've worked in sort of fairly conservative talkback radio before. There'll always be an element in our community that would say, rightly or wrongly, <clears throat> well, what did she expect? Yeah. You know, she's out at night in a car <sighs> driving drunk blokes home. Certainly there is a foreseeable element to this fate that this shouldn't happen but it's a foreseeable outcome that perhaps it's not women's women's work mm. and that's what made me think well that's just bullshit women should be able to enter any sector or any workplace and and it's such a great job for women you know it's so flexible women are cheaper to insure they have fewer car accidents they um you know that they're great drivers they have multiple responsibilities mm. It's such a perfect job to go, beautiful, I've got two hours free, 
bang, turn on yeah. the app. Do it during school hours. Yeah. During school holidays. My husband's home, a um, couple of hours free on a Friday night. I don't really want to sit down and join him on the couch and watch Friday night footy, but actually I wouldn't mind going out and helping yeah. some girls get home safely from a nightclub. Because there's a social aspect, I guess, as well, if you're a woman driving women. Oh, it's the fantastic. Chats be the yeah. chats are hilarious and the girls love it. And also with our company, you can drive with your baby in your car too. So, mm. you know, as long as you ring your passenger and say, hey, Mrs. Kafoops, I hope you don't mind. I've got my toddler on board with me today. And they'll say either, actually, I've got a full car, sorry, or they'll say, look, that's fine. I don't mind. So as yet, we haven't had one passenger say um, mm. that doesn't suit. Because usually you're just picking up one person. Yeah. It's rare that you're picking up a whole car load. So... Uh, um, unless you're doing a nighttime drive, in which case people don't take their babies with them. But yeah, so it's a really unique female lens, I suppose, as approach to this sector. Have you had pushback? Well, what would you reckon? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I'm so shocked, George. <laughs> I know, but look, honestly, not initially quite a lot, and then from who? From who? Besides taxis, obviously, who don't like ride sharing services uh, at all. <laughs> A few men have been cross about it. A few women have been cross about it. Wait, wait, wait. Let's break this down. Why are the men cross? Why isn't there a men's only rideshare service? When are you inventing HEBA? And I said, well, when you want to invest all your money from your divorce into an app, I will show you exactly how to go about setting that up and give you all the support you like. Good comeback. Knock yourself out. And other people who say it's discrimination, to which I say, correct. It is. And well done, top of the class, 10 out of 10. <laughs> it is. And here's why it is. Because assault, sexual assault discriminates against women. Rape <laughs> happens to women and it does happen to men, but it largely happens to women what by men. What a great men. response. It does. And if you can tell me how Sheba makes men less safe, I will shut down the app tomorrow. And then As what I do they live say? And, bre- and then they... There's a long, yawning silence. And then I say to them, if there is a place where women feel safer to have a dance or, you know, if there's a gay nightclub down the road that I'm not welcome to go to, but I respect that my gay brothers like to get amongst it. So you can understand that, yes, that is a discriminatory act, but it doesn't mean that my life is now ruined, destroyed, diminished, I'm not being accused of being homophobic by virtue of them having to have their night. Mm. And I'm not saying that you, sir, are a rapist or a predator by accepting that there are in the world rapists and predators. And also I'm not saying that rapists and predators exist within those services. I'm saying that there are women, if we accept that one in five women have been assaulted sexually, violently, that they, their experience of transport matters enormously. So even if it didn't happen in a car with, by a cabbie or, a, or an Uber driver, the fact that it's happened to her at all might affect the way in which she interacts with the world. So let's make that experience as easy, as comfortable, um, as relaxing for her as possible. Yay, let's all shake hands. In business, things move really fast. 
You can go from small beginnings to that big contract win overnight, and your IT needs to keep up. And that's why Telstra's created Platinum for Business with 24-7 tech support, ugh, that's so good, to help take away your IT worries so you can be that business. To find out more, visit Telstra today. Do women have the same complaints, Um, the women who've given you a hard time? Uh, you know, you just always get a few of those colonised women who just want to say, this is discrimination, this is discrimination, this is, you know, they just haven't really Do you have thought. a canned response where you can just go, <laughs> press one for my speech about discrimination? <laughs> well, kind of. And then I also have this fabulous thing, which is block ban user. Um, so oh, that's, that's so good, isn't it? It's so good. And, and realising that my Facebook page isn't a discussion page. I am running a business. You can not download the app, you know. <laughs> there's that, an idea. There's an idea. And then, you know, go to your whinge fest and do whatever you want to do. But this isn't – you don't have to use it. There are lots of services. And when people say, why don't you take couples, is that because – Uber takes couples, cabs take couples, GoCatch takes couples. There are fantastic services available for couples. Knock yourselves out. Mm. This is for this is for girls travelling with other girls or travelling by themselves, and for families travelling to the airport who need a baby capsule. Tell me how um, the usage for kids and and how you realised you know what part of the business that makes up transporting kids around. Well, that was always a really big part of it, right? Because you know, being on my own with four kids is really hard. And I just saw that there were so many women who have a Caesar and are left alone. And there's very few restrictions on insisting that baby capsules be put, you know, in other services. Mm. And in Queensland, in fact, you don't have to have in any any capsules or anything. Um, you can put a baby on your knee, which I just find horrific so what i think people tend to do then is just not go out so they just stay home and then there a couple of businesses started up where they were charging 95 dollars for 20 minutes for the use of a car with a baby capsule which is just daylight robbery um but of course if it's there you feel like oh well you know we'll we'll pay it because it's it's our baby and it's our most precious thing so that's what we'll do and I thought, well, that was completely extortionist. So we thought, well, we'll just put in, you know, $10 plus GST, 11 bucks. We've got a lot of young mums who've got baby capsules sitting there. They know how to flick them around and use them and install them safely. And that's going into the app now as a booking, pre-booking functionality. You can book up to six capsules if you want. So we've got lots of big families. Different cultures have, you know, really big families and you can... You know, really Six capsules in one car? Yep. Oh, my Lord. I want to send those people flowers just for needing six (laughs) capsules. Well, I had to have three. I had four kids under five. So at one stage, I had three kids in bolted capsules across uh, Mitsubishi. Wow. Yeah, my back's still rooted. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. Yeah, I can imagine. How old are your kids now? They're now... tricky question uh we shouldn't have had all that alcohol no uh 19 bridget is 19 joseph is 18 patrick is 16 and toby is 14 14 ages that must be easy yeah it's good 
<laughs> what's uh, the, what's the business model for Sheba? How do you make money, and how do the drivers make money? Okay, so the drivers get eighty five percent of their uh, return, so they keep eighty five percent of the fare, and we take fifteen percent out of that. And all the fares are inclusive of GST, so the the passenger pays the GST, which is unlike some competitors where the passengers aren't charged the GST. Won't name them. Um, and our Why drivers. Why aren't they charged the GST? Don't know. Oh. So they, they don't pay, pay GST? They, they pay it, they're just not given it to pay. Oh. It just comes out of the driver's pocket. Oh. Um, so we pay, charge the GST to the passenger, which is how GST is meant to work. You, you charge the person and then the, the driver holds onto it to then hand over to the government. Mm-hmm. Um, so all our drivers are registered with the ABN and registered for GST. Mm-hmm. And they get a half-hour consultation with a financial consultant through us um, to help set up their business and to be told about what they should be setting aside for super, for um, anything to do with, you know, if they're the sole provider, what they might need to look at for... Um, for, you know, uh, what do you call it, injury insurance or accident, you know, if they need to be taken out of the workforce for any time. Um, we're introducing a minimum fare so that, you know, there'll be a flat rate minimum fare for all our drivers. And so that's how the business works. And then we take our percentage of, of that. So it's pretty basic. And then we set up a big community of drivers. So our aim is to never lose a driver. Our aim is to to build a really strong community network of drivers and they've been doing that pretty amazing job themselves. They really stick together. We partner them with a new driver, with a with a more experienced driver when they start and have a lot of driver meetups and get-togethers. Who are some of the women who drive for you? Like what are the, some of the reasons that women drive for you oh, and what stages of life? It's so varied. But look, so we did a report recently for the Queensland government. So the average age of our driver is 50. Um, and we, we need to recruit some younger ones. But our youngest driver is 22. Our oldest driver is 72. So that gives you an age of the spread mm. of the ages. Um, but the average age is 50. So, um, it's a lot of women, I suppose, who have, who have come out of, um, you know, raising their own children and sort of looking after older parents and they're they're either working full-time and looking to do some extra work over the weekends or in the evenings lots of people with teenage kids themselves uh, who, who are really looking for that sort of dough but we've got two dentists we've got dog trainers we've got people who are running their own businesses so we also provide another platform where people can sort of do their own trade and exchange of their own business network. So we've got people who are selling other things online. Um, so we really want to make it a great sort of forum of business exchanges as well and increase, like really use it as a contract space so that they can swap cards from, from bookkeepers to florists to beauticians, just a bunch of different mm. students, full-time students, people, writers. So um, Jane Clifton's one of our beautiful drivers. She drove me yesterday uh, to a meeting. You know, she just finished her first draft of her latest book. She's about to sit down and start doing the hideous process of reviewing her 
her novel. Um, but she loves it. So we're getting more and more writers and, and people like that who just need to get out of their headspace and then she'll go. Yeah, and, and, and things, I mean, the way I, I suppose the workforce is these days it can be quite socially isolating, you know, if you're yeah. retired or if you're a writer or if you're someone who works from home. I know that one of the things I really struggled with was was the loneliness, having come from a office with lots of people when I started working from home, when I started Mamma Mia, I was super, super lonely. It's really lonely yeah. and you get bored and you also, we've also got people too who I think have come out of traumas. We've got quite a few women who've um, been through family violence, we've got quite a few women who've been through a major life event like uh, surviving a cancer, mm. um, divorce, they're resetting their lives. So we we set all our drivers up with little referral cards to other services, um, but they're also for themselves as well. So we don't want drivers sitting there in a driveway when they've got their, you know, dinner in the oven at home thinking, oh, I've got to counsel this young woman through her whatever life event it is. So we make sure they've got Good advice to send them to one eight hundred respect or Lifeline or does that come with the territory? Question. I imagine I hadn't thought of it that, does. but of course, women are instantly intimate, and you often yes. will disclose things to your hairdresser or the person who's driving you. That's oh, how women connect, right? Especially driving, they're sitting in the front seat for the first time with a warm, maternal, loving person. Yeah. You've had a couple of wines, and you're feeling cozy, and the car's warm and comfortable, and. And you start sharing with someone and we think, oh, we don't want that. How do we don't you get you the person out, out of the car? You give them a referral card and you go back and watch Desperate Housewives. <laughs> and that's what we say to them. We want you back in front of the TV eating your mental Mars bar of the Kardashians and we don't want you sitting here thinking that you have to suddenly be, you know, doing in treatment. You know, you're, yeah. you're earning for yourself. This mm. is your time to mm. drive and you... One, you don't have the skills. Two, um, you know, you don't have the time. So You've got such a strong vision for your business and you've got such a, a history and a through line through your career of advocacy for women and, um, you know, people who've been marginalised. How do you, now that you're a businesswoman, balance that with some of the tougher decisions you have to make as someone who's running a startup? Yeah, it's really hard, Mia. It's the hardest bit. It's where I need good people around me. So I've had a few meetings. So I did a pitch night uh, recently. Which you at, won. With, yeah, which I won. Okay. Just quietly. Just quietly. <laughs> at Startup Victoria. And I've had some meetings with some people who are really good in this area. And, and like it's become really apparent to me what, what my weak spots are. And, and um, making, you know, the thought of hurting other people is very, very difficult for me or upsetting people and putting what the business needs, which is an extension of me, like my needs first, is doesn't come naturally. You know, it's hard. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really tough thing and, and I'm going to have to work on it. Like as a new teacher, I remember my first principal saying to me, authority is like a muscle. The more you use it, the bigger it will get, Miss McEncrow. Um, and I thought, okay, that's I have to think along those lines. Like the more I do it, the more it'll get better and the more processes I need to – I just have to work on it. That's true. But there will always be things that you just really don't enjoy and that you are not good at and it's mm. awesome if you can hire against your weaknesses or partner against your yes. weaknesses or, or find ways to let what you're good at and what you love 
empower the business. So what did you do? So when you found out, okay, okay, yeah. um, this is my really, this is my weakest suit. How do I do this? Yeah. I, I, I didn't even, I was so buried because, you know, it's called as you would have be very familiar with the deep trough of pain when you're in a yeah. startup and you're in, you yeah. fall into the deep trough of pain so many times and, and, and I still do. Um, and each time, even just being able to articulate that it's the deep trough of pain helps because yeah. you can go, ah, oh, it's the deep trough of pain. It's not permanent, <laughs> but it feels permanent. So yeah. I, after about a year and a half, I was in the deep trough of pain and didn't even realise that and didn't even, like a frog in boiling water, didn't even know how I would have got out of it. So it happened that... Uh, my husband was was looking for something to he'd sold his business and was looking for something to invest his time in and thought oh maybe I could invest it in what's in my lounge room so he came on board nice. and we have very different skills and that's what enabled us to you know I happened to to marry the person who was who was um, had the skills that I didn't have and then as you get old as you get older as you get bigger and you can afford to hire people to plug those gaps and you know eight years down the track we were able to hire a managing director who could then do some of the stuff that neither of us either wanted to do or, or were good at doing yeah um, so look as a founder it's a constant exercise in why did I start this? What am I best at? What, <laughs> yeah. what can I give the business that will um, be the best for the business and the best for me? Yeah, and what needs to be done? Yeah. Like what can I – like I'm a good triager. So I think that yeah. comes from sort of having had, you know, four kids and yeah. working in the areas that I've been in. I'm like good at going, okay, this one has to be done right now. So – We've had a family violence issue. We've got a driver who's panic-stricken. She's on the road. Bang, what do we do now? So, okay, yeah. let's get her on the phone. Is she safe? Is she okay? We've got to report that to DHS. We've got to report that to the police. We've got to form an incident report. Okay, we don't have a form for the incident report yet. That was meant to be done last month. We've got to follow up on that. I've got to have a talking to the you know. So, right, done, oh, good. Man. That's a yeah. procedure place that we have to have. But that was a good reminder. You know, it was all sorted and... and I always take these things as good signs to give you the tap to say, yeah, you should have followed that through. You let that one slip through to the filter and then not beating myself up too much but to say I have to get a daily list of things that work in the, working in the business and on the business. And as we scale up and get bigger, mm. um, it's identifying, okay, that was a hole before we feel that now where are the new holes? Because it is a game of whack-a-mole. Like oh, it is. Isn't it? It's just, oh, bang, that one's now. It's like parenting in that way, particularly with it four is. kids, I imagine. It's, yeah. Who needs me? It's triage, as you say. It's triage, triage. Women are very good at triage, but it takes a toll. It does. It does. And when you don't have um, someone at home to, you know, yeah. pat your forehead and rub your back and tell you what a great job you've done or what a, like I just come home to more criticism and I go to talk about the business and I go, oh, flat that's forward. all I say. I'll just flat forward. I just don't, don't want to hear about my business. <laughs> like, oh, shut up about Sheba. We don't care. Yeah, we hear a lot about Ev's mum. Ev's mum. Is this, and all those preps and go, is, it, is this a Sheba story? Can you just, okay. <laughs> can you just, can you just not tell? Can you ring one of your friends? We don't want to. 
Okay. I've just downloaded the app. Tell me, yeah. um, and I'm so excited to use it and, and yep. get everyone in our company using it. Tell Good. me how big you are now, how easy it is to find a Sheba driver and from where I can find one. Okay, so Sydney is still growing. So uh, Melbourne is booming, Brisbane and Gold Coast going really well. Sunshine Coast has started. Sydney is still slow to the grow, and I think that's because the tolls haven't gone in yet. They'll be in in mid August. So we launched with minimum viable product, and I think what's because, the tolls? What do you mean? <clears throat> well, in in uh, other apps, or not? It's not in Go Catch, but in other apps, you can put like the tolls get taken into account by the app as you go through, uh-huh. and we weren't able to afford that when we first launched the thing. So the drivers have to pay the tolls. So I think some drivers. Um, have not joined up with Sheba in Sydney at the rate that they were driving in, joining up in other cities. So we've got, you know, we're growing in numbers in, in Sydney and the CBD. We've got plenty of drivers joining up in Penrith and Blacktown, but in Sydney CBD, we've only got about 60 drivers now. So we want to get that number up to about 120. So in Queensland, we've got 225 drivers. Um, between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. In Melbourne, we've got about the same, but Sydney's just, just, we started a bit slower because people do have to cross the harbour so much and stuff to get around. It does make a big difference. So that'll, when that functionality goes in, I think it'll be easier. You yeah. originally wanted to call this business Mum's Taxi. Yeah, and everyone gave me shit about it and said, this, that's the worst name I've ever heard. Aren't people helpful? Yeah. I mean, Sheba's a phenomenal name. How did you How did you come to that? It Mum's actually, Taxi was great too. Thank you, Mia. I, I have kept great, the George. domain name on that. But <laughs> my friends who are wise and cruel women um, <laughs> but did say to me, that is the frumpiest, like, I'm not a mum, I want to drive, oh, uh, you know, and they're like, oh, it's like... Oh, they're it's very like literal, aren't they? Oh, they're so mean. And they're very, <laughs> you know, they hate the word mummy blogger or mumpreneur or anything yeah. to do with mummy. And I go, okay, okay, okay. fair enough. Um, so I copped it on the chin and then she became in a dream. So that was the best thing. She was fantastic. I just, I woke up and went, Oh, thank you, brain ticking away because I love the Queen of Sheba and I studied her in RE when they tried to help us with our Catholicism and just made us all just go, well, well, hang on. So if I was born in India, I'd be a Hindu. Oh, you mean if I was born in, you know, Thailand, I'd be a Buddhist. Oh, so it's all just totally random. Like I'd barrack for Collingwood if I was born into the like I was just <laughs> I did I did multi religious studies at a Catholic school and we all just went oh you mean it's all just yeah, it's all just basically so, the same thing yeah, that's right <laughs> so we studied the Queen of Sheba and I loved her and I just there she was and I just thought and then I went back and checked her story and it was as I'd remembered she travelled on her own to meet King Solomon and challenge the conventional wisdom of of men and I just thought wow she's perfect and then there's this other text that I hadn't seen which is where she has a child to Solomon and raises him um, in the kingdom of Sheba as a single mother so I just thought yeah thank you thanks dreams 
I hope you enjoyed Mia's chat with George McEncrow. If you are feeling like you maybe want to start your own app and take on Uber, do it. Come on now. Actually, no, because that would be competition for Sheba. So don't do that. Do something else. But if you want some help, some ideas, some free resources, you can head to ladystartup.com.au where you'll find information about our courses and membership programs and free stuff there that's designed to help you start your own business. Also, make sure you head to Lady Startups with an S on Instagram where you can see Lady Startup Businesses profile every single day just like you it's an awesome community so make sure you're a part of it and next week i'm going to bring you mia's chat with chelsea bonner who is the founder of the curve and plus size modeling agency bella management thanks for listening and i'll see you next week this episode of lady startup was brought to you by telstra